Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Unfortunately, your flight to Bristol has been delayed once again. But for your entertainment purposes, please listen to the Baggage Claim Monday edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster Olney. The white zone is for immediate unloading and loading of passengers only. No parking in the white zone. Thank you. Yes, this is a baggage claim edition of the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, July 17th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney, working from the Orange County Airport. Sarah Abbott is joining me from the studios in Bristol. Sarah, how are you doing on this Monday? I'm living the dream, Buster. How about you? Uh, I must say, as I'm talking with you, I realize that I'm surrounded by marble. I'm bouncing off the walls here. Uh, and I'm sure that there are people in the vicinity who are hearing about baseball at 520 on Monday morning and probably not that excited about it. Or what do you think? I mean, a live show maybe could possibly be what this is categorized as. They're getting a little live look at baseball. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Well, they're certainly getting the airflow. We got a lot to talk about today. Uh, I always start the show by saying, and today will be better than yesterday. This would be especially true if you're the Yankees, Mets, or Angels. You know, we talked uh, before the deadline about how there's so many teams who are going to make decisions based on how they were playing right after the deadline. And teams are declaring themselves, no doubt about it. Uh, the Rockies faced the Yankees, played host to the Yankees over the weekend. They had split the series. And then in the bottom of the eighth inning on Sunday, the Rockies took a lead. 2-0, driven to center field again. On the run, Bader, it's over his head. It's gone! The Grand Tour! C.J. Crone hits the first homer off Clay Holmes this year. The Yankees would come back. They would tie. They would go into extra innings. Top of the 11th inning, the Yankees took the lead again. And that's a base hit by Cabrera. Volpe will score easily as he was on the move with the pitch. And Cabrera continuing to have a big day as the Yankees take a 6-5 to five lead. That from the Yes Network. Then in the bottom of the 11th, uh, in this crazy back-and-forth game, the Rockies would walk it off. He drives it to left. His first home run of the year is a walk-off. That from 850 KOA. After the game, as you can imagine, Aaron Boone not happy about losing two out of three to the Rockies. We got two and a half months to be put ourselves in a position to be championship caliber. We got to go, you know, it's on us. We got to go prove that. Uh, as far as who we're Major League Baseball, you're going you're gonna to beat some good teams. You're going to lose some series to some teams that are struggling. It's a grind every time you go out there and, and put, the, put a Major League uniform on. So I don't buy into that garbage at all. Like they, you know, they outlasted us today and, you know, we're obviously off in the moment that you know we lost a series but it's a series that we lost and we got to move on from it and go um go go try and play well in, in california the mets the dodgers and the mets had lost the first two games of this series on sunday they salvaged the final game 
Marcana. Warners are going to stay in with two strikes. Hunt is off and it's hit over the bag. That's a fair ball down the line and the Mets will win the game. Beatty comes in with the winning run. Luis Quirone couldn't get the bunt down, but he gets the base hit to bring in the winner at the bottom of the 10th. And the Mets win the game 2-1. to one. Meanwhile, as the Yankees are struggling, the Red Sox gathering momentum. Here's what happened in Wrigley Field. Swing and a drive in the right field. It's way back. Gone! Yoshida, a grand slam for the second time this year. The Macho Man clears them all, and it's 6 nothing Red Sox. That sound from 93.7 FM WEI. The Blue Jays, also part of that powerful American League East. They had a good weekend against the Diamondbacks. Here's what it sounded like in the bottom of the eighth. Bases loaded, the 2-1. Swing and a line drive to the gap in left center field. Down for a base hit. Guerrero's chugging in. Chapman's on his heels. Merrifield speeding around the bases. He's coming home to score. The bases are wiped clean by Danny Jansen. That from Sportsnet 590, the fan. The Orioles never lose anymore. They played the Marlins over the weekend in Camden Yards. This is what happened at the bottom of the first inning. Hoker to head one strike. Fly ball, center field, backing up. Myers going back, back, back. It's gone. He ran out of room. That one into the Oriole bullpen. Anthony Santander, touch them all. Here's what it sounded like after the Orioles clinched their eighth straight win. Two down, two strikes. Pitch on the way. Line drive. Hayes is right there, and he gloves it. The Orioles have won. Ball game. Danny Coulomb gets the most dangerous hitter in the game. Luis Arise, and the Orioles put it in the win column for the eighth straight time, the longest active win streak in Major League Baseball. The Twins playing host to the Oakland A's over the weekend, and they took the lead in the top of the seventh inning. What a chance for the Twins with one out, bags full. Swung on and shot through that vacant space into the left field corner. One run will score. Here comes Vasquez. Kemp playing pinball with it. They'll send Julian the relay throw. Not in time. And the Twins plate three and have their first lead of the ball game. It's 5-3 on an opposite field. Three-run double by Alex Kirilov. That from the Treasure Island Baseball Network. And meanwhile, as the Twins are having a good weekend against Oakland, taking care of business, Guardians are having a heck of a time against the Rangers. Not good. So here's Josh Young now with the infield in, tying run at third, go-ahead run at second. He swings, drives one into left, the base hit. Low scores, Adolis around third. Here's the throw, it's cut. Adolis scores, standing up, and the Rangers lead 6-5. to five. Josh Young delivers a two-run single through the drawn-in infield. That from 105.3, the fans. So at the end of the weekend, the Twins now with a two-and-a-half game lead over the Cleveland Guardians, and Cleveland got this bad news as well. Shane Bieber is being shut down for at least two weeks uh, apparently will not require surgery, but he does have an inflamed right elbow. So not only is he not available for the Guardians, but that pretty much takes him any, out of any trade conversations. The Brewers are now two games ahead of the Reds after their series over the weekend, which was highlighted by this David Bell ejection. Here comes David Bell immediately out of the dugout. 
hand up from Edwin Jimenez, and he's ejected him. And the Reds' dugout reacts to Bell being tossed. Now, we saw David Bell upset late yesterday. Will Benson had gripe with a slider that looked like it was a strike. The zone, though, was horrendous all game. And David Bell, I think, trying to show his team he's got their backs. And we saw Craig Council rather animated from the depths. Oh, look at this. He just threw the edge around the play. Pucci, Brian Onora tries to intercede. And Bell's like, hey, you toss me? I'm going to get my money's worth right now. Freddie Benavides has emerged. He's trying to get Bell out of there. And this crowd, this is a smart baseball town. They know the zone. This Reds offense has been lifeless thanks in large part to Milwaukee pitching. But Bell goes off to an ovation. I would say this, you know, when, when the managers get ejected, sometimes they send notes back and forth. Uh, like Phil Nevin and Aaron Boone sort of teasing each other about the ejections. Everybody you talk to say, you know, guys like Booney, they will put on a show sometimes for their dugouts, for the fans. In David Bell's case, it's legit. <laughs> He's really angry. That's his reputation among his peers. Uh, after the game, the Reds called up another high-end prospect, Christian Encarnacion Strand, an OPS of 1,042 in AAA. He was a fourth-round pick of the Twins in 2021. The Reds got him in a Tyler Malley, Malley trade last year. So for the Reds trying to bolster that offense and overcome their pitching issues. The Brewers' Rowdy Telez is at four more weeks after having finger surgery. Uh, so a tough loss for Milwaukee. We'll wait and see if uh, Milwaukee adds some before the trade deadline. They're in a good position and reportedly – general managers told Corbin Burns, Willie Damas, that they will not be traded. The Atlanta Braves had a tough series against the White Sox over the weekend. Luis Robert going deep in the top of the sixth inning on Sunday. Robert bats with a man on and one out, and he hits a high, deep fly ball. Center field, it has gone into the Braves' bullpen. Eight to one. This was after... Colby Allard had to leave Sunday's game with shoulder tightness. Brian Snicker, the Braves manager, was asked, will he make any changes after a rough day with his bullpen? We're not even close to even discussing anything like that right now because that's still a little ways away from all that. I, I think we leave everything open, quite honestly. Like I say, if they got the Braves uniform in their locker, then they're, you know, then everybody's in play. We talked about the Phillies gathering momentum as we get closer to the All-Star break. And, man, they kept it up over the weekend, sweeping the Padres in the series. This was the game-winning walk-off by Kyle Schwarber. One ball, two strikes. Hill ready. He kicks the pitch. Swing and a fly ball. Left field. Soto going back. He's there. He will make the catch. Sosa tags. He's coming home. He's in to score, and the Phillies win it. A sacrifice fly for Kyle Schwarber and the Phillies outlast the Padres 7-6. During the course of the game, Padres manager Bob Melvin argued with umpires about the pitch clock. Here's Bob. Right now, all of a sudden, the pitch clock runs out, and all of a sudden, you got a, you know another a strike on you. So that's what I was arguing. 
very little common sense. It's not that easy in a situation like that to just, you know, keep your eyes on the pitcher because there's a lot going on. Cardinals, Nationals on Sunday, and Paul Goldschmidt supported Jack Flaherty. Swing and a hard hit ball to deep center field. Backing up his call. He looks up and it's gone. A long home run to straightaway center field for Paul Goldschmidt. Big fly number 16 for Goldie. And the Cardinals indeed get those two runs back and it didn't take them long. That sound from the Cardinals radio network. Flaherty pitched well again. That's four straight wins for Flaherty, which is big as we get close to the trade deadline. Now on Sunday, our Sunday night game, Astros-Angels here in Anaheim. And Eduardo Perez and David Cohn talked about what's on the front burner for the Angels right now, the question of whether or not they're going to trade Shohei Otani. Here's Eduardo and David. The reality is this. The, this team is not the best team in this division. Maybe not even the first, second or third, and a lot of people do believe that as well. What Shohei Otani could bring is a boatload of players along. Guys that are already major league ready, could even be major leaguers ready to make this team competitive once again and turn it around in a hurry. That's the type of player he is, and we've never seen anything like this. A player that can bring in quality because he's a hitter and quality because he was a pitcher right now is the moment and guess what if you do trade him and you want him back you can get him back but Shohei Otani has to be used for the better here and the better right now for this organization is to trade him the flip side of that is this the best way forward for the Angels is to keep him and the best way to keep him is to get to postseason play and convince him to stay he wants to play for a winner you need to prove that you're a winner so if you're the Angels at the end of this month, you don't know if you're going to make the playoffs or not, even if it's a long shot. Whatever the predictors say or whatever, you know, whoever thinks that they're not good enough, you can prove that on the field. You get Mike Trout back, you make the run, you get into postseason play, and you showcase Shohei on postseason play on that stage, and then maybe you have a little bit of success. Maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, and at that point, then you can convince him to come back because the best way forward for the Angels right. is signing him back somehow, some way, no matter how long the shot is. This game was wild last night. Taylor Ward giving the Angels what we thought might be an insurmountable lead in the bottom of the seventh. The pitch. Swing and a liner to right center field for Taylor Ward into the alleyway. Neto is in. Here comes Otani. Around third, they're sending Moniak. He'll try to score it from first. to throw is caught. A three-run bases clearing double. And it's 7-3 in favor of the Angels. But the Astros would come back. Here was Chaz McCormick in the top of the eighth. 1-0 pitch out toward right center field. Hit well into the alleyway. And a two-homer night. Chaz McCormick has hit it out for Houston. He's got 11 now on the year, and he cuts the lead in half. It's 7-5, Angels. In the top of the ninth inning, the beleaguered Angels bullpen tried to hold on to the lead. Now let's see how Phil Nevin plays it. Do you go to the lefty? The numbers would say go to the left-hander. But that does not look like that's going to be the move here. Three hits for Bregman tonight. Berea the pitch. Swing and a liner deep left field. Back is Ward. Looks up. Gone. Home run Bregman. With two out to the ninth. Alex Bregman. So it was 8-7 at that point, and Kyle Tucker would add on. 
3-2 to Tucker. Swing and a ball crushed. Way back in right field. Long home run from Kyle Tucker. Number 14 for Tucker. Unloading on a pitch from Berea. 436 feet to straightaway right. And that add-on run was important because in the bottom of the ninth inning, Shohei Otani came to the plate with 33 homers on the year. The pitch. Swing and a ball drilled to center. Back is McCormick to the track. At the wall. Gone home run. Shohei Otani to center field. Yeah, make that 34. But <laughs> in keeping with what went on with this series, which was wild comebacks and pitching that was a mess, this is how the game ended on a line drive to right field. Thice swings, liner right center field. And coming in, Tucker oh! dives and he caught it. Kyle Tucker robbing Matt Thice with a diving catch in right center to end the ball game. So what a finish the Astros take the series. It, uh, I got to tell you, um, you know, during the course of the year, sir, we'll have a lot of crazy games, but that was a ton of fun. What else you got? All right, Buster. Well, NFL season is rapidly approaching, so be sure to check out our slate of NFL shows, including the Bill Barnwell Show, the Adam Schefter Podcast, Fantasy Focus for all your fantasy needs, and of course, the Dominique Foxworth Show. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. All aboard. It's the Ravi Train with Carl Ravitch on Baseball Tonight. Carl Ravitch, the Ravi Train is on the road on this unusual baggage claim Monday, Carl. This is the first time we've done this, where someone I worked with on our broadcast is at the other end of a baggage claim Monday. Me on the West Coast, you on the East Coast. How you doing? I'm good. I'm driving down uh, the Massachusetts Turnpike, waiting to get on Route 395 South down to the... Uh, down to the Connecticut shoreline area. So all is good. Had a little lay down seat last night, Buster, which is always a treat. So I got a chance to get, you know, three, four, five hours of, of some sleep. So I feel pretty good actually today. Right now I do. Nice. That's excellent. Uh, and 
that's good because we got a lot to talk about today. We got a lot to digest. Stories we heard over the weekend. I, you know, it's always the the part that I enjoy the most uh, being around teams is to you know have conversations and and hear stories. And I think the jump, thing that jumped out to me yesterday was our session with Phil Nevin, the Angels manager. All the Otani stories he gave us because yes, you know, we're talking about whether or not he's going to be traded. That decision for Artie Moreno, what it means for the Angels. And I hope we don't lose sight of the fact that we're seeing maybe the greatest season anybody's ever seen. Yeah, I would think that uh, it's going to go down as that because it's so unique. I mean, no one no one has ever done it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of takeaways from what Phil said yesterday. There, there was a there was a realistic approach to the whole thing. There was a frustrating game last night for them, in which in which they really can't lose games, and they did, and it. It becomes a bit of a chore when every single outcome seems to tip a scale one way or the other. It's it's almost it's almost impossible to operate like that. But that's that's the position they're in, and you know I I know that it comes down to an owner's ultimate decision. And look, you lose two or three in a row, and an owner says, "Let's let's just move it. Let's just let's trade them." Um, yeah, it was a really interesting weekend last uh, you know last few nights in Los Angeles. Just kind of listening to the players. There seems to I will say this, Buster. There seems to be a resignation from people you talk to that Otani's going to get traded. Um, that that's my that was my takeaway from it all. It's like the elephant in the room. We don't really want to go there, but we're all very aware that we're we're going there. Yeah, maybe some of the stories that sort of illuminated that would, you know, the the joking uh, that Phil Nevin and Otani yeah, have done yeah. together, right? Where, you know, uh, Otani will say something like, oh, you only get to manage me for a couple more months. <laughs> and and Nevin giving you a yeah. face. This is the stories related and obviously all joking at this point because they're they're making light of the fact that, uh, you know, the, the trade rumors regarding Otani now are going 24-7 because that's the time of year we're in and that's how great of a player he is. Um, and I, I love the story about how compared Tani is uh, from Phil when they went to Yankee Stadium. And, you know, you told the story on air last night, Carl. Yeah, the idea the idea that they went to Yankee Stadium, I mean, there's a couple of stories about batting practice for Otani. And, again, along the lines of he and Nevin joking, Buster, you know, Nevin said he, he has taken batting practice outdoors twice. Once was at Dodger Stadium. And once was at Yankee Stadium, and, and Nevin's line was like, "Are these auditions? Like, what? Are you trying to get a feel for the ballpark? Like, what? What's really going on here?" And he, then he sort of fell back on, "You know, no, no, he was, he's just hitting, and that's, you know, it's rare, but there are times where he will do that. He he is apparently incredibly regimented and uh, and routine oriented, but with regards to Yankee Stadium, you know, Bill Nevin, of course, is you know is these listeners know has been part of Baron Boone staff for a long time. So Otani's taking batting practice and he says to Phil, you tell me where Stanton and judge hit the ball. Like where did they hit it? Because I want to go further than that. And again, what, what it struck me was is how in tune he is with how great he is, where he wants to be in the conversation of players in major league baseball he wants to be, it's quite clear, while he has the talent to be the best, 
He also has the desire. He has a want. You know, there's no question about Otani's desire to be known as the best baseball player. If Aaron Judge, the greatest home run hitter, I want to be better. You know, if Giancarlo Stanton hits it harder than anybody, I want to hit it harder. I want to hit it further. Um, and look, if you're if you're thinking about acquiring somebody, you need that quality. You know, that that's that sixth quality. They they all have these tools, but then there's that other other factor that goes into it, the intangible part of knowing how good you are, wanting to get better, and putting yourself in that same conversation as the judge and Stanton. And I'm I'm sure he thinks about Marla Cunha that way. I'm sure he thinks about you know, Paul Goldsmith's consistency. How do I, how do I surpass all of them? And he's doing it. We're witnessing it. But I just found it so interesting that he asked Nevin, yeah, by the way, where did Judge and Stanton hit the ball when they take batting practice? That was, that was telling to me. And then he hit balls out beyond where uh, yeah. it told him. <laughs> You know, over the restaurant in Yankee Stadium, I, I this quote from Phil was so striking. I texted it myself immediately because I didn't want to forget it. Uh, the quote from him about Otani: He wants to be better than anybody at everything. And Carl, I'm sure that also, you know, part of that is is wanting to win, right? And so that's you know, I had some conversations going into our broadcast yesterday morning with some people uh, around baseball and and what. You know, the comparisons they were making, because we saw on Friday night, the Angels had an ugly loss. And then last night was an ugly loss. And a Friday's night game when uh, Otani was pitching, body language wasn't perfect, right? And it wasn't Kobe Bryant-esque in terms of frustration coming through with teammates or Michael Jordan. You know, you heard those stories. But those were kind of some of the comparisons I was hearing from folks around baseball. Like, you know, it's clear he's ready for the next challenge. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's the most important part of it. I mean, we we had a variety of conversations about Otani last night. You were part of them, and you listened in on them. You know, they they revolve around his comfort level, his desire to win, which you'd like to think every player has that. And then you look at some of the free agent decisions that have been made in recent years, and you wonder if if that's really the case for all of them. In his case, it seems very sincere. The money's going to be a wash. He'll he'll have more money. He's going to make a ton of money anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's a wash. And so that that part you kind of move to the side. I think the I think the interesting part is who he believes, based on his limited experience and exposure as a player in this country, who he believes is the team or teams that are always going to be competitive. Because unlike Kobe, unlike Jordan. The individual player on a basketball team all but assures you're getting to, you know, the playoffs. If you're the best player, it all it almost guarantees you're getting to a conference final, if not the NBA championship. In baseball, you think about the Angels. Prior to Shohei getting there, they had the best player in the world and made it to the playoffs in 14 and 15 and he got there in 12. I think they got there in 12, 14, 15. They haven't been there since. Otani shows up in 18, so you could certainly make the case they have the two best players in the game, and they haven't had a winning record. So my question would be, and I guess if I would ask you 
or somebody would ask me, it feels like, well, on the short list currently, it's the Dodgers. I mean, you must have to, you have to look at the financials and what a team is willing to spend, not only on yourself, Otani, but around you. I mean, you, you can put yourself in a position to be competitive year in and year out. I think we're seeing right now, Buster, the Padres of Mets, just because you spend doesn't mean you get to the playoffs, but it certainly puts you in a better position. I mean, I, you know, money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you a lot of experiences that in most cases will make you happy. I think you look at the Dodgers. I think you look at the Mets. Um, do you look at a Cardinal team that traditionally won and say that would be one of them? Do you look at a Mariner team that feels like they're on the rise? Do you look at an Orioles team with a front office that appears ready to continue to have success? Do you look at a Giants team and say, well, they, they're going to be a winning team? That, that's always, to me, that's the interesting part because I do think that's the X factor. Where does he think is going to be the best position for him and his team to have success? And who's on that list? And how deep does it go? Along the lines of what you're talking about, you're right, because if Otani wants to be you know, part of extended success, it's got to be with a team that's willing to at least spend, uh, you know, uh, be competitive financially. And you look at, uh, you know, the Angels and Artie Moreno, their, you know, their, their owner has never gone over luxury tax threshold. And guess what? He's already got Mike Trout on the books at $36 million a year. He's already got Anthony Rendon in the books for about $35 million a year. So if you're a Tani, you do the math and say, okay, if I get paid 60, that means we got a hundred and to $120 million left over for the rest of the team. That seems untenable. And, uh, and, and I've wondered about how he's processing all that. Uh, Cause I'm, I know, you know, the angels Moreno certainly want to keep him, but if it's about winning going forward, as you say, it's gotta be with a team that's willing to spend, um, which is why it's amazing how many people you talk to around the sport and you just, you know, it's a, it's a question I always ask at the end. Hey, where do you think he's going to go? 90% say the Dodgers. You know, they believe yeah. that uh, some of them believe that he would have signed with the Dodgers when he first came over from Japan if they had had access to the D8. Well, now they do because the rules have changed. You, you mentioned that uh, you got a feeling that, yeah, he's going to get traded. I, I, I don't know, you know, based on the conversations I have, because Artie Moreno can be a stubborn and that, that's been the word used by a number of people who know him to me. Uh, and he's, he's a stubborn operator. He's going to do things his way. He's going to be impetuous. On one hand, I, I think his instinct is he probably wants to keep Otani. But on the other hand, Carl, they keep losing like this. It becomes obvious. I mean, people who work in baseball operations around baseball say, of course you have to trade him. You need to get more assets than just a draft pick for him. Yeah, I Here's what I think, though, Buster. You know, I, it's hard for me, again, to sort of walk this tightrope of, well, we just lost two heartbreakers to the Astros out of three, and and therefore we're not in it. And if they had won, let's say they had swept this thing. I mean, realistically, is it getting into the tournament if you're the Angels, meaning the postseason? Is that is that the end game in what will ultimately make you decide we're keeping them? Because I do think we can get into the playoffs. I, I, I think there are different bars along the way. Yes. I don't mean the ones you drink yet, although depending on the way this thing works, 
then you may end up in a bar <laughs> drinking. But there, there are different bars along the way. And I, I'm sorry. The team I've, I've seen as, as tenacious as they are, as nice a story as Mike Moustakis is, kind of lifting the team and speaking to them, are they in the same class as the Atlanta Braves, as the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, as a healthy Astros team with Jordan Alvarez back, as a healthy Yankee team with Judge and Rodon? I, I just, I would be very concerned. And again, Mike Trout could come back too and, and make them look different. I just don't think the Angels are in that class with Otani, even if they're all healthy that they can win a World Series. So you're going to get to the playoffs, and let's just assume you you take my line of thinking and you lose in the first round or the second round, and Otani's eliminated and he watches one of the teams that's in his mind as I'd like to go play there win a World Series. You think you think Buster playing in a postseason is going to be enough to convince him I want to stay here because we we got to the playoffs. I I just don't, and I think I think you don't get anything back that way for Otani, and that that's gonna that's like a that's gonna impact the organization for years to come. It feels like, and I I'm not I don't I wouldn't take that risk. No, I would trade him. Yeah, I think you you have to get assets back, and you know we'll see. As I said on the show last night, the shows we did yesterday repeatedly. As of this moment, he's not available. Yes, yeah. the Angels are taking yeah. the information. Yes, that information will be run up the line to Artie Moreno. But in the end, it's all about what Artie decides to do. And uh, I thought Eduardo and and David did a great job last night of sort of laying out the you know the both sides of ledger as to whether or not you trade him or don't yeah. trade him and what yeah. the Angels might be thinking. You know, another uh, and, you know, the time we spent with the Astros, Carl, what really jumped out to me was the high level of confidence this player, these players have built from repeated opportunities to play in the postseason and winning the World Series in 2017, winning the World Series last year. There is a confidence in that group. They're going to figure this out. And it really does remind me of the team they're effectively trying to chase. The, the Astros are trying to become the first team since the, you know, the 98 to 2000 Yankees to go back to back. And those teams that to, yeah. in those last years, Carl, that covered them, they were getting older and they were kind of beaten up. But there was an absolute confidence that if they got into a big moment, they would find a way to win. And that's what these Astros players have because, you know, they're they would make the playoffs as of today and. They know that Jose Altuve will come back, and they know Jordan Alvarez is coming back, uh, and they think they're going to figure it out. I would say, like I viewed those 2000-2001 teams, I was like, I don't know. They're kind of beaten up. They're kind of flawed. Their bullpen is a mess. Their rotation's a mess. I do feel like Dana Brown has some work to do, their general manager, in terms of adding before the trade deadline. I don't think there's any doubt about it, but I do think, to your point, where the Astros and that Yankees uh, sort of dynasty had confidence was because they have had the success in the postseason. And when they look at the teams they're likely to compete against, certainly in the league, let alone their division, but they look at the Texas Rangers and as good as they are playing right now, you can certainly look at them and say, but they haven't done it yet. Like they haven't won it yet. We have. That's why we will go into a series with a healthy Altuve, a uh, big bat like Alvarez, 
a rested, hopefully, Framber Valdez and realized, well, well we're going to win the game that Valdez pitches. Um, Hunter Brown makes a comeback. The bullpen somehow gets a, gets a boost from Dana Brown, maybe another starter. You, I mean, as you know, but until you've been on that team that has won consistently and won it all, it emboldens you to believe that, well, they didn't. We have. We have an advantage. That's a huge, huge, you know, stick to carry into a battle. We, we've done this. They haven't. We will not crack. They will. And until one of these other teams in the league proves that consistently they can win, put them with their backs up against the wall, and they, they now are the team. Look, we, we witnessed the Wimbledon match yesterday. Until Carlos Alcaraz was able to beat Djokovic, there was never going to be a time where Djokovic didn't feel like he was going to win. It happened yesterday. And now Alcaraz will look at every matchup he places he has against him and says, you know what? I can beat Novak. I've done it. The Astros have that whole Djokovic thing going. They are the Novak of the American League until somebody knocks them out. And that's why when they're just a handful of games behind the Rangers and they've dealt with these injuries and a bullpen that's taxed like no other and find themselves very much in this, they feel great. Alex Bregman had four hits last night. You know, three singles that were hit at 60 miles an hour and then a blast. Kyle Tucker outshined Shohei Otani. They, they should have all of that confidence, but it comes with the credibility of holding that trophy up. And until somebody else does it, I don't blame them. They should feel that way. Uh, yes, I agree that Dana Brown will will have to do a couple of things. D Dusty's bullpen is brutal right now, and just the fact that they have been absolutely worn out. They're dead. Before you go, I want to go rapid fire. We'll look at teams in the playoff odds and ask you the question whether or not you feel like they should buy, sell, or hold in this moment. Because we, you know, through the trade deadline, we talked about how a lot of teams, their internal conversation was, hey, we're going to give it – you know, a week, we're going to give it two weeks right after the all-star break. And then we'll make our decision whether or not to be buyers, sellers, or we'll hold. Uh, the New York Mets lose the series to the Dodgers over the weekend. Their playoff chances, according to fan graphs this morning, at 13.2%. They are having conversations about possibly selling guys like David Robertson, uh, Tommy Pham, Mark Hanna. They'll listen on some of their star pitchers, although that's going to be complicated because both Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, have full no trade clause. If you were Steve Cohen, what would you be doing? I think I would listen to a quote that my manager made years ago, which was, you know, the, the hardest thing to do is look in the mirror and be honest with yourself. This challenge to me for the Mets are the teams ahead of them. I, I think the Phillies are better than the New York Mets. The Braves are better than the New York Mets. The Marlins are as good as the New York Mets, which I never thought I would say, but the way they played this year, it, it, you put them in series, and I, I, it would be a toss-up for me. That's the biggest challenge for the Mets, and if that's the biggest challenge, in my opinion, then I say, look, we gotta we gotta break this down and 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 move forward for the next couple of years. So I would I would not be buyers; I would be sellers. The Chicago Cubs, as of this morning, seven point seven percent. What sell, I sell, it's sell, I'm selling, sell, <laughs> sell, sell. And by the way, they have two of the most marketable players, most coveted players in trade marketing, Cody Bellinger and Marcus Stroman. You yeah. and I yesterday were talking. It feels like there are about four different teams that could use Cody Bellinger, whether it's the Yankees or the Astros, the Phillies. 
they're going to get a good return for him because he's having a really good season. San Diego Padres, 44 and 50, 24% chance to make the playoffs per fan graphs, but a really horrible series in Philadelphia over the weekend. Yeah, see, the Padres to me are a little different than the Mets. I think I believe that the talent level on the Padres is so good and they have the arms to get the job done that that I would lean, my scale would tip towards being a buyer. And, and the, the, the contradiction in all that is, well, you are what your record is, and they have played poorly. There's been zero consistency. But you, gosh, they play defense tremendously. They have ability to pitch. The offensive players are superstars. It, it, it just, it, it's illogical where they are. So I would be more likely to be a buyer. Um, and look, they, they've gone so far in on this, and the owner's been so incredibly uh, generous to his fans and to the players that he pays. I hate to see them end up selling. I, it, there's something about the Padres, similar to my opinion about the Phillies all year, that, that have me believing like there's just way more in here. I don't have that feeling about the Mets. I do about the Padres. Okay, and last one we'll talk about the uh, Seattle Mariners. As of today, 500, 46 and 46, five games out in the wild card race. Uh, their chances for making the playoffs, according to Fangraphs, at 14.2%. They're three games behind the Red Sox. So Mariners, Red Sox, buy, sell, hold. Yeah, um, boy. Uh, I, I think you I think you buy. I don't know that you buy a lot, but I think you do some things to tweak. Certainly in the Red Sox case, you know, you're going to have Trevor Story back and you can start to kind of envision what that team could look like. I haven't I haven't heard the latest on sale. Is, is he even in the picture as far as being able to come? Not really. No. So, you know, like I said, I would maybe I, I wouldn't sell. I would invest a little bit to see if there's enough there but I wouldn't go whole hog in on, on either of those teams. I would say this, you know, to Heim Bloom, that we know this before the trade deadline, the Yankees are going to do what they can to win. And whatever the Red Sox and Yankees, as of this morning, they are tied at 50 and 44. Uh, they're both two games out of the wild card. That's going to be important for Red Sox fans. They're going to want to feel like that you tried as hard as the Yankees tried. <laughs> and the Yankees have that guy named Judge coming back to Buster. Yep, exactly. All right, Carl, thanks for doing this. Uh, what a, a fun, unusual baggage claim Monday. And travel safely, bud. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com buster. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Over the weekend, our radio guys, Roxy Bernstein, Chris Burke, caught up with Mike Moustakis of the Angels. All right, Kev, with the Angels first baseman, Mike Moustakis. And what's it like for you? You get traded midseason. What's it like, an adjustment for a major league player to go through what you just went through? Yeah, you know, um, fortunately, I've been traded before, so I, I have something to fall back on as far as uh, all the logistics and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's easy as a player. Um, you know, you're just getting traded to another team. You get to still play baseball. Um, I feel like it's a little harder for your family uh, to move uh, from Colorado to, to L.A. and get all those logistics figured out. But, uh, you know, my wife does a great job with all that, and I'm really thankful for her. Is it easier, though, Mike, for you coming back to Southern California where you're from? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's been uh, been a long time since I've been able to uh, play baseball at home uh, and call L.A. home is where I'm playing ball at. And, uh, it's been a lot of fun so far. All my family and all my friends are able to come out. It's a lot easier uh, than traveling over to the Midwest or Colorado. Um, and it's been it's been great so far, and I'm um, having a blast doing it. How often did you come here as a kid coming to Angel Games? Uh, I came occasionally. I was a little closer to the Dodgers, so I'd go down there a little bit more frequently. But, uh, you know, I always loved, uh, loved coming out here. And, um, you know, this place is special to me. I made my debut here, uh, had some pretty big at-bats and some moments in this stadium. And, uh, first hit, first homer, um, hit a hit a big go-ahead homer here at one point in the postseason. But, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just so nice to be able to come back and play in L.A. What was that run like for you in Kansas City when you were a big part of them winning the World Series? It was unbelievable. Um, you know, when I got drafted, uh, you know, Dayton and the front office, um, they, they told us that it's going to be a while. We're going to take our we're going to take our medicine and. Um, when we get to the big leagues, we're going to find out how to win as a team. And we kept drafting the right guys, made some great moves, and uh, we became a family over there. And that's how we played every single day. Is we played for each other, and um, you know, obviously, ended up winning a World Series. Uh, but you know, the one of the best things about that team was that we all still keep in contact. We're all still really close. We text all the time, call each other, and any anytime anything happens uh, in any one of our lives, everybody's on on the phone, letting everybody know. It's pretty special. All those guys, Hosmer, Kane, Gordon, it's pretty cool. And when you go through what you guys did, Mike, to win a World Series, does that bring you even closer? Absolutely. Um, we were already close, uh, you know, just from all the experiences we had growing up in the minor leagues together and then playing in the big leagues for so long together. But, um, you know, when you win, you it, it brings you closer together uh, as a family. And you can, you know, I see Butera every day here, and every time I see him, he calls me champ. I call him champ, and it's uh, it's just a pretty special thing. You know, it's it's something that's going to last throughout the rest of our lives. The friendship and the brotherhood that we created uh, over there was is 
unbelievable. Speaking of special, you've been on the other side of playing and Shohei Otani. Your teammates now. What's it like for you to watch him on a daily basis? It's incredible. Um, you know, I've been asked this question a lot, obviously. Um, but there's, I, I, I'm so fortunate. I've got to play with some some incredible baseball players, some MVPs, some some insane baseball players, and you know. I get to play now. I get to put Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. It's two of the best to ever do it, and uh, it's it's insane. Uh, watching what they do every single day, and um, you know, watch what Shohei does. Uh, preparation before each game, especially the days he's pitching, um, it's it's incredible. And the the thing about it is, like, the expectations that are put on him are obviously insane but he goes out and exceeds those expectations and he and he works hard and he's one of the best dudes uh in the clubhouse he's he's so much fun to be around and you know he's a better person than he is a player and that's kind of hard to believe mike really appreciate the time thank you awesome no problem mike mistakas of the angels kevin back to you in the studio this is the numbers game with sarah langs Sarah Lang, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing on this baggage play Monday? You're, you know, I just talked to Carl. He was on the road uh, coming off the airport in Boston. And where are you this morning? Oh, my goodness. Well, I did not have to travel like the two of you after that wild game. We had on some baseball last night, so I'm just at home. But I was shocked at the time we were recording. Given that you were traveling back from Anaheim today, so I'm glad to see that cup of coffee in your hands for you. <laughs> so let me ask you: you heard all the pros and the cons and the pluses and the minuses on Otani. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, I, I put this to you the other day, and I'll put it to you again today. Uh, what would you do, and what do you think is going to happen? As I said the other day, the baseball move will have to trade him. I don't think it'll happen. I think the same reason you have to trade him because you would get so much back and set up that team moving forward is the same reason that he's worth so much and it is so hard to be the team, be the owner, be the GM who let that player go in the middle of the season. All right, let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is 50. So yesterday, the Red Sox won their 50th game of the season, which means that every ALE team has at least 50 wins. And each team got there before playing its 95th game. So the 2023 ALEs is the first division ever to have all of its teams reach 50 wins in fewer than 95 games played. We've been talking all year about how good this division is. You were just asking about Otani. I mean, the trade deadline is fascinating from the AL East perspective because any of those teams will be leading the AL Central right now. You know, it's just the thing where they happen to be in the wrong division. If you're the Yankees or the Red Sox right now, and I really wonder how that's going to color what we see over these next few weeks. Number two. Number two is, we'll say two. 
for two brothers. So really, really fun thing happened over the weekend. Bo and Josh Naylor, brothers on the Cleveland Guardians homework, not just in the same game for the first time at the major league level, but in the same inning. So there have only been a handful of pairs of brothers to homer in the same inning since 1900. They were the first to do it since the Uptons, BJ and Justin in 2013, who did it twice. Billy and Cal Rifkin did it for the Orioles in 1996 and 1990. We had Hink and Tommy Aaron in 1962. Lloyd and Paul Warner in 1938 and 1927. And my favorite one in 1933. Rick and Wes Burrell did so in the game. They each home run in the same inning. But the best part is that Rick's home run was off of his brother, Wes. I mean, just absolutely incredible. All of the others were for the same team in the same inning. And I have to give a credit to a friend of the podcast. And, of course, my best friend, Mandy Bell, who, when Bo Naylor came up a couple weeks ago, reached out and said, hey, I just want to be ready. Do we have a list of guys to Homer in the same game for the same team as brothers? And I had that list ready. Of course, we could not have prepared for it in the same inning, so we still had to do that legwork. But I gave her so much credit for my having first list all totally ready in the moment because she prepped for him a couple weeks ago. Number one. Number one is 97.9. So Ellie Delacruz, we haven't talked about a stack has stand out from him in a couple of weeks, but yesterday on Sunday, he had an infield assist, a play he made at third base, where he threw out Joey Weimer basically from the grass in the infield, 97.9 miles an hour. That is the fastest tracked infield assist we've ever seen under Sackcast that goes back to 2015. He beat out O'Neill Cruz by 0.1 mile an hour. He had on July 14th of last year a 97.8 mile an hour assist. Ellie Dela Cruz yesterday at 97.9. He also has, I believe, number nine on that list. And again, he has been a Sackcast standout. I know the Reds have scuffled a bit lately, but he is so much fun to watch. And now with reports of Christian and Carnacion Strand coming up as well, we're going to see the full Reds future that we've been hearing about. All right, Sarah, before you go, I'm going to put you on the spot, which I love to do. I'm going to ask you about Cody mm-hmm. Bellinger, who I think is, is almost certainly going to be traded by the Cubs you know, their playoff chances, I mentioned, Carl, under 10% at this point. And I sent out a, a Twitter poll last week about which team he potentially could best fit. And the three teams that I mentioned specifically were the Houston Astros, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the New York Yankees. And you could choose one of those three teams or you can go off the board with another team. Which contender do you feel like he would best fit in a trade? I mean, right now, I think of the Yankees, and I don't know if it's because I'm sentimental. I love the idea 
of him playing for a team that his father played for, you know. When uh, the Yankees played the Cubs uh, a couple weeks ago, Paul O'Neill was talking on the Yes broadcast about how his kids grew up playing with Cody Bonder in the kids' playroom at the old Yankee Stadium. So the idea of that player sitting up in pinstripes is really, really cool. But that's an offense they could certainly use. And, and think about that. I mean... At a certain point, when everybody's healthy, you have Jim Carlson, uh, Cody Bollinger, and Aaron Judge, three former MVPs, theoretically, in that lineup together. That's what they need. And so that's what I think of now, as you said, Phillies and Astros could certainly use them as well. But I look at the Yankees, I look at where they are in the standings and how good that division is, as I mentioned earlier. To me, they need him the most right now. Yeah, I, I love him in terms of augmenting the Houston offense. And I got to say, boy, he would fit the Phillies so well because, of course, they have this whole issue since Reese Hoskins went down about who's going to play first base. The flexibility that Cody would give them uh, as they sorted through the defensive issues they have would be tremendous because he's in a, you know, he's in a lead outfield, as you know, he's a really good first baseman. So if Bryce Harper doesn't necessarily trans translate well at first base, uh, as he tries that, you could play Cody Bellinger at first base. And if Bryce is comfortable at first base, you could put uh, Cody in the outfield, which would be, you know, a tremendous upgrade over Carl Schwarber. Schwarber is better suited as a DH. I, I think they would be a great fit too. I had a, this fun conversation last night with Mike Postakis because I, I told him, I said, Hey, I've been reading so much about you being like a spokesperson in the Angels clubhouse, being like a leader in the Angels clubhouse. And I told him, I, said, I can't imagine a young Mike Moustakas being that guy because he was really quiet, Sarah, when he was younger and maybe he wasn't comfortable being a leader. And now he's very comfortable doing that. And I told him, I said, one of the cool things about my job, same with you, is that you get to see these guys evolve during their careers, right? <laughs> Mike Moustakas is now this, uh, you know, veteran presence in the clubhouse and they evolve as players as well you know cody bellinger early in his career i think he was defined by the fact that it felt like he didn't always understand his swing and this year he's taken a big step forward with that uh and uh you know we'll see very soon which team is going to invest in that because he's going to be one of the most coveted assets in the market behind shohei otani all right sarah thanks for doing this and i will talk to you on friday thanks so much for having me buster travel safe Bleacher Tweets. All right, Buster, it is time for Bleacher Tweets. Our first one comes from Austin LeClear. Is Masa Yoshida the new leader for AL MVP? AL MVP? Now, if you had said rookie of the year, I would <clears throat> you would have got my attention, but MVP, that's kind of done. Like Shohei Otani is going to be the MVP of the American League. Shohei Otani could take off the last six weeks and he's going to be the MVP of the American League. But to your point, I mean, he certainly is, is, is exceeding expectations, not only, uh, you know, for, I think for the Red Sox are happy with what he's doing, but folks with other teams, when the deal was made with the Red Sox, they were critical of the Red Sox. They felt like that they, they had overpaid. He's been terrific. Next up is Justin Simmons. If I buy shares in the Brave stock being offered for sale publicly tomorrow, does that mean Rob Manfred works for me? Also, how many other MLB teams have traded stock publicly? Ooh, 
Um, well, there are two publicly owned companies, the Braves and the Toronto Blue Jays. Yes, I believe that you could potentially be a boss for Rob, uh, for Rob Manfred. I don't think he would call you back. If you own one piece of sh one share of stock, he probably would answer instead to the head of Liberty Media, <laughs> not to you individually. Um, you know, I, I know there have been other teams that have been uh, shared publicly like that. And of course, the best example in pro sports to that, the Green Bay Packers. Next one comes from Blade Bigler. Do you think any trade partners will try to deal for Otani and Trout together so they're left with something certain after the season? No chance. Um, remember, Mike Chad has a full no trade clause. Uh, it would be an incredibly complicated trade. It involves a ton of money. So I, I don't think so. And people have speculated on whether or not the Angels would try to tie Anthony Rendon in a in Otani deal to get rid of some of the money. Again, Anthony Rendon has a full no trade clause. And, you know, some team is, is even if, uh, you know, team wanted to take him on, he's been hurt so much in recent years. I don't know why that would uh, necessarily be the case, but he'd have to approve a trade. And everybody that I've talked to says Rendon actually likes living in Southern California. Next up is Taylor Welch. Hey, Buster, I'm hearing a lot of chatter about Goldschmidt, Soto, and now Otani to the Phillies, which is the most realistic, and who would Dombrowski have to give up? I, I can't imagine. The Padres have made it clear that they're not giving up. So it's not going to be him. Uh, Otani, would it be a shock? For me, it would, because Otani has to be a DH. Um, he's not going to play in the field. And you already have Kyle Schwarber, and you already have Bryce Harper. I think it's too complicated to bring on another DH candidate. So, Sarah, my instinct is that you being a lifelong fan of the Phillies that's not the way to go I think Cody Bellinger is a better fit I would love Cody Bellinger as a lifelong Phillies fan of one year yes next is Andrew Campbell I know Buster dramatic Yankees fan fan base overreacting toughest division in baseball no matter how you look at it the New York Yankees are not a playoff team dreams of Otani or Bellinger are nice but this team cannot compete with Tampa Bay, Texas, or Houston come October. Okay. Uh, and I do think it's an emotional reaction because how differently are you going to feel if in two weeks you have Aaron Judge back on the field and we know they win 60% of the games when he's playing. Uh, and let's say, for argument's sake, they got Otani. I, I, I'm sorry, but that team you'd look at as being a potential World Series team if they were to be the team that lands Otani. Yes, Sarah, do you agree with me? Yeah, we're going to keep this tweet and then we're going to come back in like two or three weeks and then we're going to see if the tides have changed. Next up is PK Steinberg. Am I being my typical cynical self and thinking the Phillies brought up Johan Rojas, who has looked good so far from AA to show him off purely as a trade chip? No, it's possible that they're doing that. Uh, you know, they certainly could use the help too, but I think you're right in terms generally of your thinking this time of year, some of these moves are made, you know, with that in mind of trying to let other teams, give other teams a view of a player at a higher level. And they, you know, teams feel like it potentially increases their trade value. And our last one comes from Mike Warden. I'm starting to take an issue with Otani leaving his pitching outings, quote unquote, injured and can't continue, and a new pitcher must come in with unlimited warm-up, but still plenty healthy to stay in the game as a hitter. 
This has been three times in a row now. Nah, I mean, the guy's clearly got a finger issue, you know, with a blister, the back end of that finger, they put on the acrylic nail. So that that's pretty, it's pretty clear that there is actually an issue there. I think the part that's going to be interesting is, as teams consider Otani going forward, the fact that he needs to pitch in a six-day rotation versus a regular five-day rotation, that's not a small thing for some teams because it's not that they wouldn't want Otani, but it would mean that they would have to jumble their rotation. For example, we had this conversation in the car after the game last night going back to the hotel. Let's say the Yankees acquired Otani. I think the way they would structure their rotation is they would tell Otani, look, we're keeping Garrett Cole every fifth day because that's his regimen he's the ace of this staff and then we're going to do best we can to give you you know have you pitch every six days you might get an extra day here and there but i think there would be some teams that you know it is a complicating factor with otani having to pitch every six days and that is it for bleacher tweets thanks for tuning in on this baggage claim monday (laughs) on the go um and be sure to listen in again on wednesday yeah, it was the most on-the-go podcast we can have between Carl driving and you know me moving spots. Uh, <laughs> one thing that listeners don't know is that there was a, some people who came and sat behind me, clearly annoyed, Sarah. Would you agree with me? Yeah, watching them in the background was one of my favorite parts of the show today. <laughs> it's 6 a.m. They did not want to hear all the trade speculation, but Cody Bellinger and Shohei Otani, that's for sure. All right, well, that's it for this Monday. My thanks to you, Sarah Abbott. Uh, to Sarah Langs, to Carl Ravitch, to Mike Moustakis, who, of course, talked to our friends Roxy Bernstein and Chris Burke. Stay safe, and remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.